1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, here with you, talking Carolina Panthers Monday through Friday. But today is a Saturday. And I decided to give you guys a bonus episode as I wanted something leading in to tonight's game against the Baltimore Ravens, the second preseason game, and the first time a lot of you have gotten an opportunity to go check out your Carolina Panthers at Bank of America Stadium live, which is awesome. With the pandemic going on, it's been really tough for a lot of us, but it's really cool for folks to be able to go tailgate and go watch your Carolina Panthers play football. Maybe even see Sam Darnold play. Not quite sure whether he's going to play or not, but you're going to get to see some Panthers starters on the field tonight. Make sure again, guys, to rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you get the show. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Where every Friday throughout the rest of the preseason, I'm going to be doing my weekly Friday mailbag, where you can answer questions, or you can ask me questions, and I'll answer them. Or you can answer questions and then ask me. Or either way, just send in questions by tweeting at me at Julian Council. Also, make sure to click that follow button. You can either at me or DM me. I want to answer your questions, though. That's what I want to do here on Locked on Panthers. Will Polachuk of WFNZ, Willie P, at Willie P Style on Twitter. He's joining the show as he has been in Indianapolis for joint practices in the first preseason game. He was down there in Spartanburg for two days checking out the Ravens in the Panthers joint practices I want to get his overall perspective as he spent a ton of time down there in Spartanburg. I did not have boots on the ground. That's why I'm getting someone who had boots on the ground to talk Carolina Panthers, get his perspective on things that he's seen, the progression of the defense, Sam Darnold, and just the overall outlook of this football team. So in just a moment, you're going to hear from Willie P. Folks, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And at Built Bar, like here in America, they celebrate the freedom of choice. They have so many delicious flavors, including coconut. Cherry Barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. There's something for everyone at Built Bar. And one of the cool things about Built Bar is that you can get a mixed box, which means that you can get two of each of the nine flavors in one box. That's right, 18 Built Bars in one package. That is awesome. They're covered in 100% chocolate, they're soft and easy to chew. You need to get your Built Bars right now, especially if there's someone who's health conscious like your boy they're healthy most built bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein calories ranging from 130 to 180 only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs go to builtbar.com and use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15 percent off your first order use promo code lock 15 for 15 percent off at builtbar.com all right as promised here on locked on panthers willie p at willie p style on twitter he works for wfnz his real name which i'm gonna butcher is will Pelagic, i believe but he does you a fantastic it? oh yes you got he does it a fan- does a fantastic job for wfnz locally here in charlotte and of course you guys can listen to it on the wfnz app and on the internet you can find him does a great job covering the panthers the hornets filling in during the middays, the afternoons, he's all over the station. He's been all over Carolina Panthers training camp. He even was in Indy, and he was there the last couple days as Panthers, wrapped up training camp in Spartanburg with the Baltimore Ravens with two days of joint practices. Willie P., how you doing, man?
2: Thank you, Julian, for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's just go ahead and just get into it. You were there in Indy last week where Matt Rule came off and said that he felt his team got really, got much better from the time they arrived and to the time they left on Sunday following the preseason opener. What did you see this week against Baltimore? Do you think that they've gotten better even from last week to this week?
2: I think they were more consistent this week than they were uh, in, in Indy. I feel like even yesterday when Matt Rule said that they had some issues with regard to the drops uh, in Wednesday's practice, they really kind of uh, looked at the film once again. And I feel like Matt Rule has kind of had this same kind of feeling uh, with both of these joint practices, I feel like the first day didn't go as bad on film as you might have thought it would. That might be posturing from Matt Rule, or that might just be the fact that that he sees some certain things that are, are kind of glaring right away, and that on further review, he ends up actually liking from them uh, outside of the fundamentals and the catching and the positioning and things of that nature. But, but overall, I feel like these four practices for the Panthers, have been incredibly invaluable for a team that really is trying to find its footing and find exactly where they are in the process of trying to get themselves to the level of contention. I don't think that even the most optimistic Panther fan would say that they are right there as of yet, but both of these teams provide a very interesting measuring stick. The Colts were particularly interesting, even though uh, the couple of areas you wanted to see them practice in They weren't exactly full in. They didn't have a full quarterback situation going on with no Carson Wentz. They didn't have Quentin Nelson and a couple of other offensive linemen you would have hoped to have them have with regards to trying to at least uh, test that defensive line a little bit better. But at least from the standpoint of of what you saw this week, you saw a pretty full Baltimore Ravens team, a pretty salty defensive outfit. And the way the defense played, especially on Thursday – I really feel very confident that this could be a top half of the league defensive team if they perform the way that they did on Thursday. They took the ball away five times, a couple of times from the defensive line uh, aspect also with Davion Nixon putting in some very athletic plays, a couple of deflected interceptions that ended up in his hand, including one where he was actually out in coverage on a screen pass and, and really just, The one thing I feel like that this team is really going to have to be predicated on is making sure they take the ball away, getting off the field on third down, and having the ability to have the defense be the dominant unit of this team. I don't feel like anything is going to be dominant on the offensive perspective outside of Christian McCaffrey. They're going to have to win games on defense and in a different kind of way than teams normally do in this era of football.
0: Yeah, I mean, historically, that's what Carolina Panthers football has been all about, having that salty D. And it's not something that we've had the last couple of years, especially when it comes to stopping the run, and it was exciting to see how well they performed against Baltimore on Thursday. Now, context for folks out there, the Ravens apparently were down five of their top six wide receivers. Two of their tackles were out as well. But Lamar Jackson, he's out there, former league MVP, and he threw two of those interceptions. It's cool to see Davion Nixon get one. See um Dante Jackson had another, also... Mm-hmm. Kenny Robinson, Shaq Shaq Thompson, Kenny Robinson, who ran into one on Sunday against the Colts. So a lot of positives to take away from there. And that's a unit I'm really excited about going into the season, just with all the additions and what they've added. Just your overall just kind of takeaways from what you've seen over the last three weeks with the defense there in training camp and also the two joint practices.
2: Well, I think we were all kind of cautiously optimistic that the pass rush would be a a dominant force in at least be a more renewed dominant force uh, for this team. And you really saw that on Sunday against the Colts kind of, Bear itself out especially with guys only being you know second team third team guys you saw Marquise Haynes who kind of came up lame with a a bit of a shoulder injury that Matt Rule said it's not going to be too serious Uh, they said he will be about a week or two out and and, uh, it looks like he still will be able to join them for the start of the season I feel like he solidified a spot on this roster with the way that he was playing not just on Sunday but leading up until uh, this week of joint practices I feel like Brian Burns really benefited well from both of the the joint practice sessions. He did kind of have a little bit of a shoulder injury uh, earlier on on Thursday. We'll see the extent on that, but Assuming full health on him, uh, expect a breakout year from him. And even a second step for Derek Brown also in his second season. Uh, he's really benefited from the presence of Daquan Jones on the interior. And even a guy like Morgan Fox, too, who's helped on the other side, uh, basically kind of in, a, in an interior, almost inside shade defensive line situation uh, up between uh, basically Jones and, uh, and Hassan Reddick there. They're kind of playing a 40-over situation where they kind of have Reddick more close to the line, playing kind of almost almost a 50 front. So it, it's very interesting to kind of see the way that they will scheme that with Phil Snow. And, and also from the, the secondary, I really like what uh, the cornerbacks have done and the move from Jeremy Chin uh, to safety. I feel like a lot has been made of that move, when in reality, Julian, it's more about getting Chin some more freedom to mm-hmm. have the ability to roam around the field and be where the ball is. I feel like that's one thing... Not that we didn't see that a year ago, but I feel like in order to give him the kind of freedom that they want to, they needed to put him more in that safety position so that, you know, if he creeps up on the line of scrimmage, they still have coverage in the middle of the field with another linebacker on the field. And they also don't want to limit him by just being a safety so that basically having him just play center field uh, they basically look at jeremy chin as not a linebacker or a safety or a edge edge rusher they look at him as just a football player and so seeing him come yeah. into that role has been very fascinating to watch uh, i've loved what i've seen out of jc horn he looks the part he's worth the hype and i feel like a lot of people I don't want to say we're critical of the pick in terms of the player, but they were more critical of what the Panthers did not get in terms of that pick with regards to uh, wanting a quarterback or or wanting a different defensive player or even an offensive lineman. But I do feel like just from the standpoint of, of of the player that JC Horn is, he is going to prove himself out when it comes to his first season, he's going to get beat. There's going to be opportunities where he probably falls short He's probably going to get called for a lot of penalties early because he's a little grabby and he's also very physical and, and has a bit of a, a menacing presence. I'm, I'm more worried about those uh, new NFL taunting rules when it comes to him because you know he likes to talk now. So and because of that, I, I, I feel like those will be things that he'll yeah. have to adjust to at this level. But I feel like cornerback is one of the hardest positions to try and adjust yourself to in the league. We saw a couple of guys who were very highly touted last year and Jeff Okuda in Detroit and Atlanta's A.J. Terrell a year ago really kind of have their struggles and take their lumps early. It's very difficult to adjust to that position in the National Football League because the rules are so different with corners. But I feel like if there's anybody who's adept to doing it, it's J.C. because of his physicality, because of his instinctiveness and his ball skills. I really like what I've seen from him in the entire cornerback room. They have Dante Jackson back fully healthy. Rashawn Melvin has been a very nice star for them as well. Uh, A.J. Boye, when he gets back off that two-game suspension and also rehabbing that one injury of his, Mm -hmm. will be very interesting to see come forward. If there is a concern, it is the the depth at linebacker. You lost Denzel Perryman for a time during this camp. Uh, They have seen him back kind of... Uh, working his way back into the to the depth. Uh, he hasn't necessarily had a full practice yet as of uh, the final practice in Spartanburg Thursday, but keeping him healthy, uh, having a, a correct flank alongside Shaq Thompson, whether it's Jermaine Carter or whether uh, Reddick kind of drops back and plays more traditional linebacker will be interesting to see. But uh, that is probably the one concern in terms of trying to figure out, okay, where is the uh, – I guess, weak point on this part of the defense is finding out where that linebacker depth is going to come from beyond Thompson, Carter, and Hassan Reddick, as well as Denzel Perryman. But overall, I like where this unit's headed. Love it. Yeah, comprehensive breakdown
0: there from Willie P on the Panthers D. Let's take a quick pause. We'll be right back here with Willie P of WFNZ. Okay, so obviously the big off-season news was the Panthers trading four pit, or three picks, rather, a second, a fourth, and a sixth round. They've already got the fourth and sixth back for Sam Darnold, who struggled, just to be polite, with the New York Jets over his first three years of his career. What have you seen so far from Sam? As you've been there basically every single day of training camp. What have you seen in terms of his progression over the last three weeks, even dating back to May with OTAs and minicamps?
2: So, so to give you some context, Julian, I grew up a New York Jets fan. so I'm I sorry. Had a front, I had a front-row seat oh, to no. Sam's time with the Jets. But I, like many, including my colleague Travis T-Bone Hancock, I think we were both cautiously optimistic or both on the optimistic side of when the Panthers made this move because I think we both, and I feel like a lot of Jet fans too, felt like they saw the raw talent in Sam. They just saw him... Uh, awash with the dysfunction that was the New York Jets, be it the coaching staff that was uh, struggling with competence at times, whether it's the player management, which failed to really bring anybody of merit to the skill position, to the no. protection standpoint, or even just the, the entire football team as a whole, really never gave him the opportunity to have success. Uh, and, and I also feel like, too, there was – Just so much, I don't want to say blood in the water, but just a muddied water when it came to the situation involving Teddy Bridgewater. I understand folks who felt like Teddy didn't get a fair shake here. I understand that. That's a very fair point to bring up. But when it comes down to it, there were just not enough plays being made at the quarterback position to warrant going after another season with him because of the fact that you wanted to at least feel like you were moving in a progression forward. Does Sam Donald ultimately represent that progression i think it still remains to be seen the kind of camp that he's had so far i would say to put it mildly it's been tepid it's been not spectacular but not embarrassing he's had a couple of solid days i would say one very you know awe awe inspiring day but nothing, what I would consider like over the top. Like you think about so the way that some of these places have been characterizing these rookies, whether it's Justin Fields in Chicago, whether it's uh, New York's J- uh, Zach Wilson, uh, Trey Lance in San Francisco. Mac he Jones. hasn't had he hasn't had that kind of Mac Jones as well in New Orleans in New England. Rather, he hasn't had the kind of camp that has wowed. But I do feel like that's by design. He's still getting to know these receivers. Uh, I even tried to press Matt Rule a little bit on Thursday when I said, look, uh, one of the things I feel like the Panthers sold us on the bill of goods with Sam Darnold was that that they were going to be able to throw the deep ball with him. And we really haven't seen that kind of hookup uh, Mm -hmm. to this point of camp. And Matt Rule said to me specifically, respectfully, he said uh, that they're basically – still working on it with him, and it's not like they haven't called deep balls and they haven't called deep throws with him. We just have not seen the connection, whether it's uh, deep throws to DJ Moore, whether it's uh, trying to hook up and and reunite with Robbie Anderson, his old New York Jet combat uh, foe. It really has been a struggle to get balls thrown down the field they're basically, though, the last two weeks have worked very hard on the short and intermediate passing game with him, a lot of crossing routes over the middle, a lot of out routes, uh, play action, and really just making sure that his risk management is at a level where he's not turning the football over. I feel like that's kind of more what they want. It's not like they want him to turn into a Charlie checkdown, but they'd rather him check it down to Christian McCaffrey than try to force things and throw interceptions. Well, how uh, much of that –
0: with yeah. that, how much of that is, with Sam Darnold, like the lack of faith they have, or at least we're trying to build in confidence or so just a lack of trust they have in him, with him right now in the system, and also, in part, how much is that maybe the offensive line and what their faith in the offensive line could be? Because I think there's obviously major question marks. Uh, if we look at the team, the two biggest question marks are the quarterback or the offensive line can hold up. And also, I- in, ter- in part, like can you be able to evaluate the quarterback correctly if the offensive line doesn't hold up?
2: I agree that the, the line comes into it, but I also feel like from a pass protection standpoint, we haven't seen the breakdowns, at least to this point in camp, sure. that we saw to this point last year or even during the season last year. Now, it has been hard to discern just because the quarterback's not getting hit and the the offensive line play is not totally 100% live but if you go back to the game on Sunday they really only had one sack and and they were able to to at least hold themselves up again against second and third string guys from the Colts we won't really see a a full live offensive and defensive line pairing really until they face the Jets in mid-September but I do feel like if there is a concern I don't want to say that it's been fully alleviated but I do feel like they have been able to hold up when it comes to their pressure, I think they're more concerned, Julian, about making sure that he does not force things when he doesn't have to, because of the fact that they have a renewed tight end room with Dan Arnold uh, leading the foe there at uh, leading the group there at tight end, and they have Christian McCaffrey underneath. I mean, the the one I feel like most used quote from Matt Rule this off season is that. Sam Donald, he's used the word blessed. He's blessed to have Christian McCaffrey as a check down option to be able to at least give him the ability to dump it off to somebody and get positive yardage as opposed – I think they'd much rather see him throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey and have him make something happen than him trying to force something into double or triple coverage 20 to 30 yards down the field to DJ DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson. They're more trying to rework his brain in terms of making sure that – He doesn't make the decision that costs them a possession as opposed to trying to at least keep positive momentum going and trying to make that happen there with the the checkdowns.
0: All right, so let me ask you this then. Matt Rule said that he wants to have a handful of starters play on Saturday night. And Sam Darnold, is someone he wants to go out there and wants to see, but he did not say definitively that Sam Darnold will play. You look at last week, the injuries on the offensive line, first preseason game, I completely understand why he didn't want to throw him out there. Now Robbie Anderson didn't practice Thursday. DJ Moore left practice. Um, if it was a game, probably obviously would have stayed in. But it's also preseason, so there's really no point in throwing him out there if he's not 100. Didn't have um, Dennis Daly came in and John Miller was held out. You also had Cam Irving get knocked out and knocked up in practice, and then you had T- Taylor Moten over there. Does it seem like he's gonna play on Saturday, or are you think that Matt Rule is probably leaning more towards? just waiting for the situation to be right and play him week three against Pittsburgh next Friday night.
2: It's not that Donald doesn't have reps with those guys. It's just, I feel like he wants to put Sam in the best opportunity to succeed. I do feel like he needs some time uh, beyond what would the third preseason game be. I agree. It's it's, it sounds to me like Matt rule is kind of couching his words and saying, Hey, you know, if it comes out after Thursday's practice that, you know they're going to have more people unavailable, and it's going to look very similar to the way it looked uh, on Sunday against the Colts. Then maybe he is kind of giving himself an opportunity and a way out to try and say, "Hey, you know what? We really just didn't feel like he was going to be protected enough, and didn't feel like he was going to have his uh, an ability to have his best success." But I do feel like he is going to get a series, if not a second series. It just depends on on who he'll have wide receiver-wise. They will have Terrace Marshall available to him. Uh, They will have probably David Moore available to him. Uh, Even if it's just something where – from the operational standpoint, they get him out here and it's three handoffs to Christian McCaffrey, maybe one throw here or there. Uh, I feel like he just needs to kind of be out there so that fans can kind of see him and they can get to see what it looks like on tape. Uh, I wouldn't expect anything, you know, revolutionary or otherworldly from Sam. I don't think they're going to go out and, and, and spread it out four wides and, and try to go deep with it. But I do feel like anything to just get him more comfortable with things. Uh, but the one thing that I, that I have, heard not only matt rule but also scott fitterer the gm say is that they've probably got more out of these four practices with the colts and ravens than they ever would have in a preseason game scenario against anybody in any week because they got about 60 to 65 reps apiece against both those two teams with their number ones on both sides of the football that's not something that you would get in a normal preseason game so the fact of the matter is they feel comfortable with his development. I just feel like maybe they want to get some of the more logistical things out of the way in terms of of an operation during a game setting as opposed to just having him sit for game two and then try to get that all out in game three. Yeah, that's a great point you bring up there, what they've said uh, the last two weeks just about the work they
0: got with the Colts and the Ravens, that that's going to be far more beneficial for the starters in particular than going out there and playing a series or two, maybe even a quarter for a preseason game. Let's take one more quick pause. and We'll be back here with Willie P. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props and contests, including the half million dollar NFL mega contest. That's right. A half million dollars. And the $100,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means you make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion, Boo, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys, also Boo. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action from football, baseball, boxing, right on to horse racing. Don't wait to take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sports book experts, promo code locked on.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Okay, so I've seen a lot of people after Sunday that were upset with Joey Sly, which is not necessarily mm-hmm. surprising because Joey Sly is not a good kicker. We've seen two years of example that he's not been a good kicker. There's plenty of Panther fans out there who still say, oh, Harrison Bucker should be here. With, while they forget the fact that Graham know beat him out. Fair and square, and then was a Pro Bowler that season, and then got an injury. And Marty Herney, Matt Rule, who made a decision last year, decided to move off with Graham Godot. Gano goes to New York, fantastic kicker. Joey Sly, not very good, and he's in a situation where he's the only guy in camp who does not have competition. I have said that at this point in time, in August, there aren't good kickers out there available that are going to push him. So I don't really see what bringing another kicker is really going to do to the situation. What are your thoughts on the overall kicking situation with Joey Sly?
2: I look at that, Julian, in kind of the same way that I look at people talking about the backup quarterback race. I feel like, you know, Scott Federer said yesterday, the the veteran backup quarterback market has been very largely picked over. I would say the same thing with the kicking market. There's not a lot of guys out there if you want to bring in, you know, whether it's a uh, Elliot Fry or a Chandler Canton zero or somebody of that ilk, you know, that that's basically what you're looking at in terms of the kickers who are available out there. And, and, and really there's, there's not a lot to like or love unless you're going to trade for a guy, which again, why would you trade for a kicker in the, in, in the 2021 NFL this close to the season, yeah. that would be a, a lot of uh, a lot of a lack of faith in Joey Sly. I, I do feel like they believe in him from about 50 yards and in, uh, he's had a couple of very nice kicks during uh, some of the open sessions of, of camp this year. He did hit one for about sixty two uh, in the Friday Gibbs or the Saturday night Gibbs stadium practice. Uh, that was pretty interesting to kind of see wasn't against the full rush, mind you uh, of the sixty 60- The 63-yard attempt that he had against uh, the Colts had the distance but didn't necessarily have the uh, direction. So uh, from that perspective, that that was one that I felt like if he would have gotten that, maybe that's a little feather in his cap. Uh, He has improved his distance, but I think the consistency is still something that's a valid concern right now for the Panthers. But uh, they've shown an intriguing amount of faith in him, but I do feel like a lot of those issues were more magnified because – of the Panthers' offense's ability to – or inability, I should say, to move the football close enough. I feel like they were relying on Sly to be more accurate from longer distances last year because they couldn't get the ball beyond, you know, the 33 or the 34. It was a very, very difficult slog in certain aspects uh, during the latter part of uh, the 2020 season, so – I think what their belief is is that if they need Joey Sly, they'll be able to move the football further, get closer to the 20 or get be in, or get inside the 20 and try to make those things happen there, but I'm kind of with you. There's really not a whole lot out there. Like it, unless you're going to tell me a name that's out there that you feel like can be a better kicker than Joey Sly, I'm all ears, but I just don't know if there's a guy out there who represents a, an upgrade from what's uh, currently in-house uh, until guys start getting cut uh, yeah. from those respective teams. Like, once you get down to the 53, that's kind of when a lot of the the bulk of kickers are going to be available, and that's maybe when you go out and you try to maybe take your chance to possibly upgrade. But as far as what's out there on the market right now, there's not much.
0: No, I mean, kickers don't go on the open market. Rarely does that happen when a good kicker is available. Rarely is a good quarterback available. Rarely is a edge retro, a retro available. Rarely is a left tackle those positions just don't come available. So just bring in somebody for competition. I understand people wanted to do that, but they tried that earlier this year and none of those guys stuck. I know one of them, Amandola is up there with the New York Jets who potentially we could see week one, but it's not like he had a great college
2: career and it's not these, like he's really stuck the, anywhere. These are the available kickers, Julian. Yeah. Dan Bailey. Nope. 33. Steven Goskowski, age 37. Nope. Uh, Roberto Aguayo. We all remember what happened with him. Definitely not. And then a bunch of guys who I've never heard of: Dominic Everly, Austin McGinnis, Sam Sloman, Matt McCrane. This is what we're li- dealing with here. That is not exactly what I would consider to be a uh, a representative guy on this list that I would look at and say, "Oh my god, I have to have this guy."
0: Yeah, and Sloman was there in Tennessee last year when Goskowski had some of his issues. I think it was actually injured for a period of time, but no, none of those guys. Back, you know, a couple years ago, absolutely. Give me Dan Bailey. Give me Steven Gostkowski. Right now, that's not going to do anything. Let's just stay with special teams here for a second. I got one more for you after this. Uh, The Panthers made headlines in a way um, during the draft when they drafted Alabama's uh, long snapper Thomas Fletcher in the sixth round. Alabama was that good or even their long snapper who was a national long snapper of the year was able to get drafted and my thought was alright you don't draft a long snapper in the sixth round unless he's going to be your starting long snapper but everything I've read so far it seems like J.J. Jansen the oldest tenured and oldest player on the roster is going to seemingly stick around and still be the number one and Thomas Fletcher will not be on his roster is that how you've seen so far and if so do you have any
2: issue with them spending one of their 11 picks on a long snapper it was weird I will say that, uh, to, to especially at that particular position. Like I had never heard of anything in terms of them being unhappy with JJ J. J. Jansen. Again, I know that he's up there in age, but yeah. uh, he had been basically flawless at that position. And I feel like, you know, long snapper is something that, That you look at and you say oh my goodness you know you can get that as an undrafted free agent or or even something uh beyond that you know once kind of the scrap heap rolls around but they really like what they saw from Fletcher at the senior bowl I feel like was one of those things where uh where Scott Federer said you know we 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 took a look at it even Chase Blackburn remarked about it he said you know getting a guy at that level and in that experience I feel like was something that they've kind of felt like I don't want to say it's a luxury, but it's a nice luxury to have when you have a, a guy at deep snapper at long snapper who can be reliable. And it's almost like something that you don't think about when you have a good one, like JJ Jansen's been, I just feel like the timing was off with it, but I feel like because of the fact that they spent the draft pick on him, It does not mean that I believe that he's 100% completely off this roster. Maybe he hangs around on the practice squad somehow, some way, or or, or they try to maybe pass him through waivers after the 53 man cut to try and bring him back on the practice squad. But uh, it it could be something just as simple as maybe they do the reverse and say, you know, they they pass JJ Jansen through waivers and try to get him on the practice squad and see just exactly how it is. And And they'll try to protect, protect a Fletcher in that way. But just from the, you know, casual observation, again, I know that we we kind of make fun of it and say that we're gonna break down the long snapper battle. There's really nothing that I've seen to this point, Julian, that tells me that JJ Jansen still isn't, you know, the incumbent and the best option for them at Long Snapper. It's not that Fletcher's done anything bad. There have been a couple of plays where uh where he's kind of been flagged in some open periods in uh in training camp here. So uh the youth is showing. Uh, but it's not like uh Jansen is appreciably better or even Fletcher is appreciably better than Jansen to where it's like there's any difference to that position it could just come down to economics they can save one million dollars on their cap if they cut Jansen and keep Fletcher uh, because of the rookie salary that Fletcher will command so it might just come down to simple economics which would be kind of sad because uh Jansen's a fan favorite cult hero uh he has a lot of uh, lineage with this organization as you know so uh to lose his job basically over financials would be kind of uh, a crummy thing for me, but it could just come down to that. Yeah. I mean, that's the nature of the league. Now it's not like they have the cap
0: situation like Norland Saints have. So I don't really see what cutting him from and saving a million dollars is really going to do for them. Unless there's someone that they want to go out there and try and find at this point in time. Uh, so let me ask. Assess- there
2: is there, there is the uh, the elephant in the room when it comes to Deshaun Watson. I mean, they'll, they'll yeah. use every every million in order to try and get cap room there. But I also don't know how realistic that is currently at this point, just based off uh, all the stuff we're hearing out of Houston right now.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's a conversation like I'm not even having at this point until that legal stuff gets wrapped up, because that's really what's really more you. so. It's far more important than whether he's going to play football or not. But let me just ask you this: I've asked everyone I've had on throughout the off season and in training camp their thoughts. Where do you see this team? Like, What does this team need to be to you in 2021? You can give me record, you can talk about progress, whatever. What do you need to see from the Carolina Panthers this season to feel good about them heading into 2022 and beyond?
2: That schedule sets up, I think, incredibly well for them early. I feel like when you get to the bye, I feel like you should have accrued some wins that I feel like maybe resonate more throughout the league than others will. I feel like you're going to have some opportunities to get your work done early against the jets and against the Houston Texans. You'll see a New York giant team that's rebuilding. You'll see a couple of others too, that I feel like you are better than on paper, but I'm curious to see, you know, where these other wins come from in these certain toss-ups. I feel like we all feel like New Orleans is a bit diminished from what they've been over the course of the last couple of years. That game in Week 2 looms very large, and, and looms as one that I feel like if you get it in your building there early, you should be able to take advantage of a team that's still figuring themselves out. I feel like the game against Dallas is one where uh, if you have some right things go for you and you have the offense clicking on all cylinders you should maybe be able to to give the cowboys a game and possibly beat them outright. uh i really feel like there's only two or three games on this schedule that look like outright losses the game in buffalo is a very very tough one in december it's yeah. probably going to be a saturday night game Flexton. so it's going to be a situation where you're probably going to deal with weather up there and a very raucous crowd in orchard park Playing the defending champions won't be easy either time, although I do feel like second time around you might be able to get them in a situation where uh, they might be resting some starters to try and get themselves a first-round buy. Uh, I do feel like 10 wins is possible for this team. I really do. If everything goes right and assuming health and assuming the progression from Sam Donald from being a guy who was overmatched in New York to uh, basically being competent here at Carolina, he does not have to go out and, and be – the number three overall pick from three years ago. He just has to be, you know, base level competence. And I feel like he can be, you know, a 25 to 30 touchdown, 10 interception type guy. If he does that, I think the Panthers win 10 games and are contending for a playoff spot. If it's as bad as it was or worse than it was in New York, this is maybe only a five or six win football team or if they have injuries or Christian McCaffrey does not come back to his full uh dynamic speed, which we've even given no indication that that's the case. We've already seen a couple of runs, whether it's during FanFest or, or whether it's a couple of runs we saw against Indianapolis and even also earlier on in training camp when they put the pads on for the first time. He looks about as good as ever. It's just a matter of what he'll look like when the actual game speed comes to pass. But I, I feel like this team can get to that 10-win that situation. I feel like a more realistic aspect is more in the the eight or nine range but when vegas set the over under at seven and a half i feel like they they should be able to to hit the over with that and then based off of what they do this year then they can kind of make that real run in the 2022 off season to make more of those pieces come to carolina so that they can be a full-fledged contender going into the 22 season
0: yeah, no. I mean, I feel the same way. I don't know about ten wins; like everything would have to go perfectly in terms of like the quarterback. Like if you don't, I don't believe in the quarterback. And again, that's the high.
2: That's the high yeah, end. Yeah, no. The expectation. And
0: I agree. And I agree with you. Like I don't. If the thing I've told people is like it's the youngest team in the NFL. But I love the additions that they've made defensively. I think that defense is really going to take a really a step forward, especially what you saw in the second half of the season, particularly like the last four games. Look at Green Bay in that second half, and
2: you look at uh, the Washington game on the road. Even as the well. Kansas City. Even the Kansas yeah, even City Kansas game. City. Babe. They had no business being in that game based on the talent disparity between those two teams. But they they kind of played a little bit over their heads at, in times this past season. And so I feel like a lot of those guys are back. And I feel like as long as you have competent quarterback play, which, again, I know is asking a lot. Yeah, I do. I do feel like if you have competent quarterback play, you have health of Christian McCaffrey. And you have some of these other pieces start to contribute, especially on the defensive side of the football. You turn the football over yeah. uh, those eight games that you lost a year ago by one score or less, maybe half of those turn into wins.
0: Yeah, no, that's what they got to do. They got to convert in a red zone. Got to be able to get some of those two minute drives and actually convert windows and, you know, we'll, we'll see how things play out. It's definitely going to come down to me to the quarterback and how much better he is. Cause at the end of the day, you know, they brought him down here to hopefully be the franchise and if he's not the franchise. We're back having the same conversation this time again, next August, follow him on Twitter at Willie style. That's Willie as in I E not Y. So at Willie on Twitter, which is WFNZ as a reporter and a host does a fantastic job covering the Carolina Panthers, the Charlotte Hornets and all the teams in the local area. will Willie, or Will, I guess Will is your real name, or William is probably your real name, your birth name. Thank you uh, so much for hopping on here with me on Locked on
2: Panthers. Thank you, Julian. Appreciate it. Anytime. Great stuff from Willie P of
0: WFNZ's a reporter covering the Carolina Panthers, Charlotte Hornets, and all the teams in the local area. Does a fantastic job. Also, is a, a host on the station. Did wonderful. I mean, literally, I like, just let the guy just go out there and talk. He had, it was a wealth of knowledge. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Of course, that wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network with yours truly, Julian Council. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Check us out also on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to the show. Follow me on Twitter at Chulian Council where you'll have all the updates tonight as I'll be watching the Carolina Panthers game. You can also tweet at me your Panther thoughts during the game and also send in your questions for our weekly Friday mailbag that we're doing throughout the rest of the preseason here on Locked On Panthers. Stay tuned tonight as I will be recording and then downloading a show right to your phones my reactions to the preseason game tonight with the carolina panthers and the baltimore ravens so make sure to check out wherever you listen to the podcast check your phones wherever you're gonna listen i'll have immediate reaction to the game tonight you can either listen to on sunday tonight maybe even monday haven't made up my mind whether i'm gonna have another new monday episode or not but no tonight you can listen to my reactions to the carolina panthers second preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens. So again, appreciate you guys listening, and I will talk to you tonight.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.